Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hope everyone is having a great day. And a special shout out to my good friend, Yoshiko Dart. Love you, Yoshiko. Love you so much. You are such a great leader. And to all the companies that have supported me, specifically with Highmark, our lead sponsor for the past Let's see now, three years, and AudioEye, who also has been a sponsor. Now, hey, all you countries out there in the world that listen to this show, I really want to send a shout-out to Ireland. I know you hear me say this every week, but you know, I'm a woman living with epilepsy, and I'm living every day of my life trying to change quality of life for people living with disabilities. But a disability is a disability no matter where it is in the world. And I just want to say, you are all helping me. I'm on a life crusade with Bender Consulting for the employment of people with disabilities, which, as you all know, is what I do for a living. But I also have this great product, iDisability, an e-learning software product. And why I'm bringing that up is it's for one reason to break down stigma. That is what we, people with disabilities, have lived with, have endured, and have to break down. And I want to tell you, all of my listeners from these 17 countries, you are helping make that change. So with that, I am so excited to tell you about our guest today, who is a postdoctoral research at the Human Engineering Research Laboratories for the University of Pittsburgh, and a friend of mine, someone I've known for a while. He is the real deal. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jonathan Duvall. Jonathan, it is a pleasure to have you on our show today. Well, thanks, Joyce. It's uh, it's a pleasure being on the the show, and uh, look forward to talking about a lot of stuff. Okay. Well, how about if we begin by you telling our listeners how you first became involved in the world of disability? Yeah. So I wasn't born with a disability. Um, I had a spinal cord injury um, in 2007, about 12 years ago. Um, when I was uh, sled riding with some friends and uh, kind of hit a bump, flew down the hill and landed on my head, um, and then kind of did the typical, you know, like three months of rehab, uh, spent some time at home with my family, and then um, after about a year, um, you know, kind of picked myself back up and, and got back to school and, uh, you know, kind of kept the journey going and to uh, where I am now. Well, you know what? That's good for all the young people here because there are a lot of people that have this happen, of course, that have a spinal cord injury. But look at you, how life has gone on. Not only has it gone on, you're so successful in what you have done. I have to ask you, what gave you that uh, fortitude? Um, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, I have a very supportive uh, family that, you know, when I decided I wanted to go back to college, you know, they, they supported me and helped me out, uh, you know, with um, – getting me anything I needed, whether um, it was transportation or just helping me out when I had, um, you know, issues arise and, uh, um, you know, just always being there whenever something goes wrong, you know, to let me vent a little bit or to help me with ideas of how to solve it. Um, I had a lot of friends that helped, um, you know, and uh, I guess in some ways, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, uh, am an engineer and I have an engineer's mind, so... Um, whenever a, a problem arose, I always was trying to figure out a solution, you know, and kind of think about things in a way that somebody else hadn't thought of them. So, uh, you know, to find a solution to the problems. Now, how old were you when this accident occurred? Uh, 21. Tell me, how, what was the initial impact when they, you realized you had this significant disability, and then 
what caused you to go in this direction with your career and education? Um, well, I mean, I think the initial impact I had was, was pretty similar to most people's in terms of, you know, just, you know, kind of feeling sorry for myself, you know, why me, you know, thinking about everything that I wouldn't be able to do or, you know, at that point that I thought I wouldn't be able to do. Um, and at least for me, it was a little uncertain because my spinal cord injury was incomplete. Um, so the doctors were saying, you know, you, you need to give it three months, six months, you know, you, you might get some movement back, you might, you know, progress, you might not. So it, it didn't, it wasn't a, you know, they didn't tell me it was a certainty, you know, that I wouldn't be able to walk again and all those types of things. So um, I think that in some ways helped and in some ways hurt because, um, you know, I, I, it wasn't an all, of, all at once impact, but in other ways, um, you know, it, it might have taken me a little bit longer to get over it because it wasn't, you know, kind of finalized right at the beginning. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of my career path and everything, I, uh, I actually went to a doctor's appointment one time uh, after I was out of rehab, and uh, my doctor just kind of nonchalantly asked me if I was back in school yet. And I was kind of like, school? I, I didn't even know I could go back to school. Um, so it was... Uh, it was just kind of that uh, that idea that kind of sparked in me of like, all right, well, let me start looking into this and, you know, see if I can, you know, apply to go back to the University of Pittsburgh, you know, see if I can figure out what I need in terms of uh, dorms and attendant care and some things like that to, to make it a possibility and, and make it happen. Um, so it was really just a suggestion that kind of caused me to, you know, get back up a little bit and get, get back on with my life. I think that for anyone, there is that initial reaction. Uh, I mean, it's only normal. However, you know what I think a key thing is to, ha- is to have those friends and people around you. And if I could give anyone advice, it would be, if this happened to you, right away go talk to someone like Jonathan. Because all of a sudden you realize your world is not over and that you have nothing to be ashamed of and that you can achieve so much as Dr. Jonathan Duvall has done. And you are with the world-renowned Human Engineering Research Laboratory. How about if you take a few minutes to explain to our listeners what the mission is, what the objectives are, and what you do there, what your role is. Yeah, um, so that was actually also um, uh, kind of a, a recommendation of my doctor, um, you know, to kind of give a little bit more of a backstory of how I got here. Um, he knew that I was a mechanical engineering student at the time that I was injured, and uh, he said, well, have you ever considered rehab engineering? Um, and I didn't know that was even a thing um, back at that time. Um, so he told me about the human engineering research laboratories and, you know, I looked it up on a website to see what they did. I went and took a tour. Um, and then I, when I got back to school, I applied to be an intern here. Um, and, uh, so the human engineering research laboratory is a uh, collaboration between the VA, um, in Pittsburgh, uh, the UPMC, uh, the university of Pittsburgh medical center and the university of Pittsburgh. And the the mission of the lab is to um, improve the mobility and function of people with disabilities um, through advanced engineering um, and uh, rehabilitation uh, medicine. So essentially the the short uh, story there is that we design wheelchairs and other assistive technologies and do research on uh, things like propulsion techniques and transfer techniques to limit secondary injuries uh, for people um, with uh, disabilities, primarily wheelchair users, but we we get involved with um, some people with visual impairments and uh, um, cognitive impairments and things like that as well. Um, But what I do here right now is I'm a postdoc, so I am assisting on a few projects um, and uh, also kind of trying to start off my career um, as an independent investigator and applying for some grants to um, start, start some projects myself. 
Well, that is awesome. And I know of the work that you've done there, which is phenomenal. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But right now, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Dr. Jonathan Duvall from the University of Pittsburgh Human Engineering Research Laboratories. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America. Dot com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Jonathan. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. And another shout-out to Scott who sent me an email today, and I know he is listening to the show because he wanted to hear this show with uh, Jonathan. So thank you so much for the email that I just received. And I want to just mention to you, all of these shows can be heard on uh, Spotify or Apple. Just go to the podcast, Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. You can pick it up and then you can share it with other people. But we are talking to Dr. Jonathan Duvall, postdoctoral researcher for the Human Engineering Research Laboratories at the University of Pittsburgh, right here in Pittsburgh, PA. I have to tell you, they are world-renowned. They are so highly thought of and recognized and Jonathan what I love about Jonathan in addition to being brilliant he really cares about quality of life for people living with disabilities and I know one thing Jonathan that you were the co-founder of is Pathview Path capital V U Um, what what is that like what does that do for people with disabilities um, so Pathview is a company that uh, came out of some research I was doing as a master's student here. Um, and it started by um, us getting a research project to investigate how the um, roughness of a sidewalk or a pedestrian pathway um, causes vibrations to wheelchair users who are traveling over them. Um, so if you think about a wheelchair user kind of bouncing around, there's a lot of Um, force going through their spine um, and and causing pain and discomfort. Um, So we started with a research study to look at if rough sidewalks caused higher levels of vibrations uh, and more harmful uh, levels of vibrations to wheelchair users. Um, And so we were trying to basically uh, develop a threshold of how rough a sidewalk should be allowed to be to be considered an accessible route. Um, so after doing that research, um, you know, in a little bit in tandem, we started thinking, well, if we're going to make this threshold, we need to be able to, to measure that with sidewalks out in the community. Um, so we developed a tool um, to measure the roughness of sidewalks. And while we were doing that, um, we also looked at the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act accessibility guidelines um, put on by the Access Board. Um, to see what else we could measure so we could evaluate sidewalks to see whether they're accessible. Um, So we also look at tripping hazards, um, cross slope and running slope, um, 
and uh, also depressions, which, which fit into that a little bit as well. Um, but uh, so what Pathview does now that we started the company, um, it's we measure uh, and map sidewalks around the country um, so that we can use that data um, to m- give uh, wheelchair users or even somebody with a visual impairment or really any type of disability um, navigation directions for uh, the pedestrian pathways to find the most accessible route for them. Um, so that starts with obviously um, mapping the sidewalks and, and evaluating them for how accessible they are. And then uh, we developed a uh, app and, and a website that now can give uh, uh, custom uh, directions for somebody to get um, get around the city or, or you know wherever they are the most accessible route. Well, you that is fabulous. Um, who it, can this be purchased now by an individual that uh, uses a chair and would like that application? Um, yeah, it, it, the the Pathview app is available for download um, right now. Um, we're still in a little bit of phase of trying to collect more data. Um, right now, we've mostly done some some singular projects um, around a few cities. We've done some work in in Boston and Washington D.C. and Louisville, Kentucky, um, and a few other places, obviously here in Pittsburgh. Um, but what we're we're still kind of in the process of doing is compiling all that data into one database, um, so that anyone in those cities can see the data. Um, and, and use the, the routing software. Um, and then uh, once we kind of perfect the, um, the way to collect the data um, and, and find better ways and, and quicker ways of collecting the data, that's when we hope to kind of take it nationwide um, and even international. Um, but uh, right now there is an app available for download. Um, it just doesn't quite have all the functionality in it that um, we think is, is what's necessary for it to be um, completely uh, useful um, for people with disabilities, but it's, it's on the verge. Well, that is like phenomenal. That is great, Jonathan. That is great. Um, okay, so how does someone go to get this app or, or read about Pathview? Um, there's a website, and it's, it's just pathview.com. Um, and then if on the uh, App Store or Google Play Store, um, if they just search Pathview, um, our app will uh, come up there for download as well, and it's free to download. Wow. I mean, we got to tell everyone about this. That is phenomenal. And by the way, everyone, Pathview is Path and then capital V-U. I'm going to tell you, this is just a small example, but people don't think about this, but even in Washington, D.C., we had an event once on the mall, and all, you know, I was with friends of mine with disabilities, and when you would go through there, boy, when you're going over like stones, cobblestones, it is not pleasant for people with disabilities. Right, uh, for sure, and that's, uh, that's something that we're, we're also trying to help out with, um, trying to figure out the best uh, um, not just materials, but the best uh, installation practices. So we've been working with people in the brick industry and, and concrete industry and, and things like that to help them uh, kind of realize that, you know, this, this style of uh, pavement member of, of brick or concrete um, with, you know, beveled edges or with um, larger gaps between them and how that affects the roughness so that they can better plan for uh, future installations rather than, you know, just measuring what's existing. We're also trying to help um, put in better surfaces when construction projects come along. And how, uh, how far are you along with Pathview for Pittsburgh users? Um, I, between a few uh, different projects, we, we've got most of the city mapped. Um, I don't know that it is all on the app where people can, can look at the, the data yet. Um, that's something that we're still trying to get to. But, um, yeah, I know we've done pretty much all of downtown, all of Oakland, um, several uh, miles uh, over on the east side. Um, and so um, that's definitely one of, one of our next goals. Um, if we don't get it done this year, would be, but next year would be to um, try to completely have Pittsburgh maps since obviously that's our hometown. Right. You know, and I, I, 
please send me something about this for me to put on our website because I just think, you know, people don't realize what that is like when you're using a chair, difficult terrain, uh, or as you said, some type of obstacle now in the way. Um, I mean, I think that is really great path view. Path VU for everyone listening. So, Jonathan, you do a lot of things there, and I know you do a lot with assistive technology. I wondered if you could give us uh, a couple of specific examples of some new technology devices that show innovation promise. Yeah. Um, so, a few things that we've worked on. Um, that you know aren't aren't really out on the market yet, but um, I think in the next couple of years, five, probably ten at the most, they'll be kind of out on the market, and I think we'll be seeing people use them, uh, you know, pretty much every day. Um, one of them is um, different powered uh, wheelchairs. Um, specifically, we've worked on uh, pneumatic powered uh, wheelchairs here. Um, for a few reasons. Uh, one is that they're waterproof. So we've been working with a, uh, a water park in Texas that wanted to be fully accessible and inclusive. Um, so they wanted a wheelchair that could go in the water, um, but could also, it would also be like a powered wheelchair, not just a manual one that somebody else would have to push that the person could, you know, use a joystick and, and drive into the fountains and things like that themselves. Um, so we developed that where it's completely air powered. There's no electronics on it. Um, and it also is useful because it can be recharged a lot faster. Um, if you have, uh, other air tanks or compressor, um, you can charge it in about five minutes compared to, you know, most wheelchair batteries take six to eight hours to charge. Um, and so, and we're also starting to look into, um, also, uh, other ways of charging wheelchairs, maybe with using, um, like uh, some type of a propane generator or something like that to extend the range that the wheelchair can go. And also for emergency situations or or things where maybe the electricity in your area is out for several days or weeks, um, you would still be able to charge your chair and and use your chair. Um, uh, The other uh, couple things that I think are are really um, interesting and, and kind of I'm real anxious to see them actually out on the market are the robotic wheelchairs. Um, one of which we're working on that is able to climb up over curbs. Um, kind of, it kind of crawls kind of like a spider uh, in a little ways that like the front wheels go up on the curb and then the middle wheels and then the back wheels. Um, so that if there's a lot of places like here in Pittsburgh that have a single step into a building, um, the wheelchair can navigate over that step. Um, it also can keep the person level if they're going downhill or uphill or on cross slopes. Um, it has. It can use the actuators and sense that the wheelchair is isn't level and and move the wheelchair user back to level. Um, and then I think the the other thing that's going to be uh, really useful is um, the robotic transfer devices um, that we're working on a couple um, because there's still a lot of injuries to to um, people with mobility impairments and also their caregivers when they're trying to transfer into bed or onto a shower bench or or any other surface because there's a lot of lifting still involved. And um, so the caregivers can have back injuries and things like that, but also the users can fall um, and, you know, break bones and things. So um, a couple of the robotic uh, transfer assist devices that we're working on will um, eliminate uh, any lifting by the caregivers um, and also uh, make it safer for the people um, trying to be uh, transferred or trying to transfer and in some cases, um, the couple that we're working on are, are heading to the point where they'd be, actually be able to transfer themselves independently. Oh, would that be wonderful? Oh, and you know what? Wouldn't this be great when people travel? I'm talking about this robotic spider-type wheelchair uh, because, you know, we're not the only city where you have that one step. You, you know what I mean? Or more. Yeah. Um, so so that is that would be just wonderful. So exciting hearing all of this. Well, right now, it's also time for our news break, as everyone knows. On every show on the half hour, we have a news break. It is because we want to keep you up to date. You know, a lot of people with disabilities, really, they have no idea what is going on in this country that could impact them. And we are so lucky to have Perry Jude Radisic, the CEO of 
Disability Rights PA, who is a nationally recognized disability rights leader as our anchor for Advocacy Matters. Welcome to the show, Perry. Hey, Joyce, thanks for having me. So we've got a couple of developments uh, related to employment, and we wanted to bring your listeners up to speed. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And back in August, actually, well, here we are still in August. We're almost to Labor Day. But the beginning of August, August 1st, the United States Senate confirmed three individuals to serve in high positions at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And and for those of us uh, in the employment rights field, we know that the EEOC receives complaints of discrimination in the workplace, and they have responsibility over that Title I of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The commission is made up of five individuals who are appointed by the president, president and confirmed by the Senate. So President Trump nominated Charlotte Burroughs to fill a remaining term of High Feldblum as commissioner on the EEOC. Now, Ms. Burroughs had already been serving on the EEOC. She was appointed by President Obama in 2014. So President Trump has, uh, I guess, reappointed her, but this time to fill the remaining term of High Feldblum. So we have that information on our website. You can read about who Ms. Burroughs is. Mr. Trump also appointed Keith Sonderling to solve a term that expires in 2024. And then Mr. Trump also appointed Sharon Gustafson to serve as general counsel to the EEOC. All three were confirmed by the United States Senate by a voice vote. You can read about all three individuals on our website at disabilityrightspa.org. So while that was going on in our employment world, the president also appointed a new commissioner to lead the Rehabilitation Services Administration at the Department of Education in Washington, D.C. Now, our new RSA commissioner, his name is Mark Allen Schultz. And he comes to us from Nebraska. So Mark was the RSA director in Nebraska. So he's lots of experience running vocational rehabilitation in the country. He did that in Nebraska. So he now comes to do that for us uh, in, in, at RSA uh, here uh, in Washington, D.C. We also have information about the new RSA commissioner, on our website at disabilityrightspa.org. And finally, in the last, uh, I guess, uh, five weeks, the Center for American Progress published an update to their 2015 report entitled A Fair Shot for Workers with Disabilities. So you want to read this. This is about the intersection between disability, poverty, and employment. Again, it's from the Center for American Progress, uh, and it's up on our website at disabilityrightspa.org. So, Joyce, you know Advocacy Matters. You can find out more information about the EEOC, the new RSA commissioner, and the Center for American Progress report on employment and people with disabilities on our website. So that's our report for today. It's all about employment. It is, and it is with me all about employment. Just a couple of things I wanted to mention there. Boy, it was really sad when we had High Feldblum, you know, uh, leave her position uh, as EEOC commissioner. I just want to say that High Feldblum, if you don't know, was one of the key people involved in authoring, writing the Americans with Disabilities Act. Really a great uh, person. I'm glad you mentioned that. And another, I love that report, Perry. I encourage everyone to go read that report, Perry Jude, uh, brought up from uh, American Progress. But I did have just one question. When you were talking about RSA, we still in Pennsylvania have that order of selection. Have you heard anything new about that, yeah. or is it just the same? 
You have. Yeah, so, okay, what have you heard? Yeah, so so what we know is as soon as our as soon as our vocational rehabilitation uh, agency under Shannon Austin, who's very nice, uh, we've had a chance to meet with her. Uh, she has, uh, you know, said, and uh, vocational rehabilitation has said, as soon as new monies come in, they will open up that order of selection. So uh, that's what our job is as advocates is to go get them more money so that they will uh, open up that order of selection. So that's what we know. Yeah, because, you know, that means there's a waiting list at compiling. Yeah. So even when they open yeah. it, then we have that waiting list on top of this. So everyone listening, and I know Perry Jude knows this is right, please send letters to congressmen, senators in Pennsylvania, and the Secretary of Labor saying how important this is. I do know Shannon Austin, and I I really believe she'll work to do the best she can do for us. So that makes me happy. And Perry Jude, thank you once again for that great report. Advocacy matters, and we will look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, thanks, Joyce. Take care. You know, why I started doing this, uh, Jonathan, is a lot of times in our country, people with disabilities, they don't have like a mechanism, a news show, so to speak, of, hey, what's happening? What do I need to do know about? And that's why we started doing this. And Perry Jude Radisick just does a phenomenal job doing that for us. And she is a major advocate. And I have to say, I know a major international advocate that you work with, and I love him so much, Dr. Rory Cooper. Um, Tell me, Jonathan, how has his leadership impacted you? Um, Well, it's really hard to put into words. Um, You know, you kind of mentioned earlier that, um, you know, you would encourage somebody with a new injury to to talk to me to hear about what I've done and everything. Um, uh, For me, that was that was kind of one of the things that blew me away when I first met Dr. Cooper and, um, you know, saw some of the work that he's done, um, you know, in this field. Um, I'm actually sitting in his office um, when I was trying to find a quiet place to be on the show here. And, like, just looking around his office, like, there's probably 300, 400 awards that he's um, got and recognitions from, you know, presidents, from the military, from uh, health systems, international uh, Paralympics, um, you know, all kinds of stuff that I can't even put into words or, 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 or mention them all. Um, but it's just, it's completely inspirational for me to see, like, you know, what, what is possible to accomplish um, and I feel like, you know, if I could ever accomplish in my career half of what he's been able to, um, I will consider that a very successful career. Um, but it, the other thing that's, that's great about his leadership is he's, he's very available and very, um, you know, kind of down to earth and, and will, you know, talk about my concerns or, you know, talk about things important to me, um, you know, give me opportunities to um, at work with, uh, you know, people that he's known and, and knows, you know, throughout all his career. Um, so it's just, it's a, a great uh, role model and, and somebody that, uh, you know, I, I just hope to be able to follow in his footsteps. And he's a great author. He, I yeah, mean, he has uh, done has so much. A few books now. What? Yeah, what hasn't he done? I mean, he does so much. Dr. Rory Cooper truly is an international leader. I just think so highly of him. So you definitely have a uh, a, a good role model, uh, Jonathan, with him. I mean, I did want to ask you, there are educational programs. I'm talking right now about uh, similar to the Human Engineering Research Laboratories, in other words, rehab education, similar to Pitt in the United States. Um, how how many how many similar programs are there? And then my next question is, how do you recruit students to enroll in this program at Pitt? Because uh, I, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is I don't think a lot of people know. You know, whenever they have it, maybe they have, a, as you said, a degree of in engineering, um, and maybe they have a special interest in this area. I want to make sure everyone knows. So, how many programs are there similar, and what do you do to recruit students to enroll in the program? 
Um, so I, I would say, at least from my knowledge, there, there's no programs quite like Hurl in terms of uh, having a medical center, um, the Veterans Administration, and also uh, a university kind of all, all connected and all working together. Um, there, I know the University of Washington has a pretty big research lab uh, focusing on disability issues. Um, I think uh, maybe even a little bit more on policy um, and some things like that rather than engineering, but I, I know they do some engineering. Um, Georgia Tech also has a program um, that does uh, some engineering. Um, but a, a lot of other universities that don't have a program quite like ours um, have some uh, projects and things typically in like a bioengineering uh, department um, through the School of Engineering. Um, so that, you know, we'll, we'll see papers or um, things at conferences from, from schools that, um, you know, have developed a new wheelchair or developed a new piece of assistive technology. And a lot of times it's in the bioengineering department. Um, in terms of us, um, we, we have an education and outreach uh, program here, um, and, and they do a great job of, uh, you know, promoting us um, anytime there's visitors to Pittsburgh, um, anytime, you, you know, we have a chance to, like, do a video or have a news article written about us, um, anything like that to try to get, you know, more, more publicity and get our name out there more and more. Um, but a lot of times what ends up happening is, is we kind of end up recruiting from internship programs um, that we run here, whether it's co-ops for engineers or we have a program in the summer um, through the National Science Foundation that is for uh, research experience for undergraduates, and they come from kind of all over the country um, and uh, work here for, for 10 weeks on some of our projects, and then a lot of times, uh, you know, they'll you know, enjoy the work and, and everything too. So they'll apply um, to graduate school um, to come and, and work uh, here as well. And that's actually how I got here. I, I'd mentioned that I did an internship when I was still an undergrad in engineering um, and then, you know, applied to grad school um, to work at the human engineering research laboratories once I finished the bachelor's degree. Um, so a lot of times it, it's, you know, they, they've heard about us somehow um, and, you know, want to come. Yeah, well, and I have to say, of course, I think this is the best center in the world. That's my opinion. But I wanted to ask you, uh, do you get very many um, students from other parts of the world? And do you work with other parts of the world in reference to, for example, wheelchairs, you know, that type of thing? Yeah, it, it, we actually, um, I, I would say probably close to half of our students are international students um, trying to come here and, and learn about wheelchairs and assistive technologies and take that, uh, that knowledge back to their, their home countries. Um, we have alumni that have, you know, went back to other countries. Um, we've had visiting faculty that have went back to other countries, um, specifically, uh, you know, Korea, Japan, India, um, and uh, a lot of uh, South American countries. Um, and then we, we have had some interns uh, internationally as well. Um, and as actually um, a few years ago, uh, the International Society of Wheelchair Professionals was started by my advisor, uh, Dr. John Perlman, uh, when I was a grad, graduate student. Um, and they're working internationally to try to um, increase the uh, quality of wheelchair provision in uh, other countries. So doing training about uh, how to use the how to use the wheelchairs, uh, what type of um, wheelchairs are appropriate for uh, people with different conditions um, and, and functional limitations, and, and really trying to. Um, not even so much increase the quality of the chairs, but increase the quality of um, knowing which chairs are best for, for the people with disabilities. Because um, one of the challenges with increasing the quality of the chairs um, is having things like being able to, to, um, to repair them if they're damaged. You know, you can drop off a chair in another country, but if it breaks in a week, and there's no way to fix it, then, you know, you gave them a chair for a week and they're back to where they were. Um, so it's, it's really about trying to increase their capacity to, to fix the chairs, but also to provide the, the best chairs to, to the people with disabilities in the other countries. 
Oh, that is so awesome. What is the name of that society again, Jonathan? It's the International Society of Wheelchair Professionals. Oh, I mean, boy, that's neat. When I was in Indonesia uh, and even Japan, different countries, it's amazing how much work, you know, needs to be done. People have no idea, you know, how far along we are, but the need, and I know in Africa and other places, it's, you know, horrible, but I'm really glad. I think that society does so much uh, to help. And we're getting ready to go to break, but it has been such a pleasure having Jonathan Duvall as our guest today. But right now, we've got to go to break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. And we will be right back after break and then to close the show. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. If you just joined, we are talking to Dr. Jonathan Duvall, postdoctoral research from the University of Engineering Research Laboratories at the University of Pittsburgh, world-renowned, and an international leader is Dr. Jonathan Duvall. And Jonathan, you know one of my favorite conferences is Disability Inn. One thing I love about this, they used to be called the USBLN, United States Business Leadership Network. And when they changed their name to Disability Inn, I was, oh, I loved it. I was so happy because I am having all these business people tell me, oh, no, it should be differently abled. It should be um, the abilities only. It should be handy capable. It should be um, all, you know, a million things. They, they, we are people with disabilities. You know, I always say it's not the Americans with differently abled act. It's the Americans with Disabilities Act. So kudos to you, Jill Halton and everyone on that board. But I love this conference. I love it. And uh, so it's businesses across the United States. It's dynamic. It's partnered with AAPD. I am the vice chair of the American Association of People with Disabilities. And Ted Kidney Jr. is the chair. And one of the things they do every year is they have these next-gen leaders. In other words, future leaders being people with disabilities, college graduates, um, there were like, I don't know, 100 or something this year to meet with uh, these federal contractors that are, you know, like an Intel, uh, a Microsoft, a Wells Fargo, and hopefully gain employment. I know you've been involved with that. Um, tell us what you think about it, uh, what your experience has been with it, Jonathan. Yeah, I I went to it the first year and was kind of blown away just that you know, seeing so many other people with disabilities, seeing em- employers um, trying to hire people with disabilities, um, and and just seeing you know all the the great things going on, um, you know that the group 
that the organization Disability End has done for getting people uh, with disabilities uh, working. And, you know, I know you always say that when you give someone a job, you give them their freedom. Um, and that's, I mean, that's one of the things that's helped me out the most is having the job here at the Human Engineering Research Laboratories. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got involved with Disability Inn and uh, was one of their next-gen leaders uh, on their advisory council. Um, so I went back uh, to several conferences. I think I've been to five now. Um, and just seeing it grow. Um, I've also been involved with the uh, Innovation Lab Toolkit. They call it iLab, um, where the next-gen leaders um, come together to try to solve a problem. Um, and whether it's um, something about like trying to help people with disabilities become employed. Um, one year, we just gave them the, the challenge of uh, finding the next disruptive technology, uh, something like Uber or Facebook or Amazon or or, you know, think what, what's the next one going to be? Um, and um, just seeing all the ideas that, the, uh, you know, a group of students with disabilities can come up with, um, and then they pitch it to the employers um, and, you know, can kind of demonstrate what they're capable of um, to the employers in, in a more informal um, uh, setting than like a formal job interview. It's more just talking about a project um, you know, they're not going over their resumes when they're talking to the employers, um, uh, but they have, um, after talking to the employers, a lot of them do then get formal interviews um, because the employers are so impressed with, with what, they, what they've been able to accomplish and what they, what they have shown that they have the, the creativity and, and uh, the ability to think up. Um, so that's, that's something that I've been involved with, and it, it's just great to see every year, um, you know, the, the challenges that we've given them and the things that they've come up with. It is. And, you know, I always say where the rubber meets the road is employment. Just as Jonathan said, I always tell people without employment, you are never free in this country. You can't buy a car, can't get an apartment, can't live the American dream unless you are employed. And if you're listening to the show right now and you're a hiring manager, hire someone. Uh, well, and I'm all on board also, Jonathan, with those next-gen leaders. I, I keep in touch with them um, and you know, either hopefully have helped them get a job or I myself place them somewhere. Um, but Jonathan, I'm, you know, I read your bio thinking, wow, look how much he's done. You know, your accident wasn't that long ago. I mean, when you think of all you've done since then and accomplished. So what would you say, Jonathan, is your greatest accomplishment? Um, well, I definitely don't take lightly uh, getting a Ph.D. Um, you know, that, that took a lot of years. I was the kind of first one in my family to, to go um, to a four-year school and, and graduate and then, you know, even continue on to grad school. So um, that's, that's something I'm pretty proud of. But I, I think one of the, the more uh, uh, proud accomplishment I, I had was uh, being able to, to f- co-found the um, Students for Disability Advocacy uh, student group at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and that group was able to um, help advise the university on uh, like accommodations for, for students with disabilities. We were trying to find housing for graduate students because they didn't have guaranteed housing. Um, we, we helped out with a lot of diversity training um, for faculty and staff on uh, you know, how to um, help students with disabilities when they're in uh, your class or, or you know, you're working with them. Um, and we brought uh, uh, wheelchair basketball as a uh, intramural sport to the, to the campus so that uh, the people in wheelchairs can play alongside uh, able-bodied um, peers, but, you know, it gives them a way to actually participate in sports and intramurals um, that didn't exist before. Um, so that student group had been able to accomplish a lot, and, and you know, with uh, Dr. Kate Seelman's help, um, when she was here, you know, we were able to start that group, and um, you know, I was pretty pretty proud of that accomplishment as well. Yeah, that that is awesome. That is a great accomplishment. You know, some things that are changing. I've got to tell you, I have a company uh, that contacted me, and they have an executive position in human resources, and they decided that they wanted to make sure that person has a disability. And I thought, is that not awesome. That is so awesome because, hey, they're great HR people, but there are also 
gatekeepers. And think about that. If you are listening to the show right now, we are looking for a senior VP of HR to live in Denver, Colorado. So if you know of anyone, you make sure you have them get back in touch with me. And Jonathan, I know that all those students you have are all going to be successful. And you they're going to be talking about you the way you talk about Rory Cooper. So before we end the show today, Jonathan, what message would you like to leave with our listeners? Um, I think just from my opinion um, that, you know, the future for people with disabilities, you, you know, is very bright. Um, and, you know, just in the, you know, 12 years I've had a disability, just seeing some of the newer technology and, and new capabilities of, you know, even things like smart homes and, you know, Amazon and Google's uh, uh, devices that can control lights, control fans, control, you know, all the stuff in the house. Um, and just seeing more and more um, how technology is, is enabling people with disabilities to um, control their environment and, and, you know, be independent and in charge of their own lives. Um, but, you know, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of uh, advocacy to, to make sure policies are in place that uh, are also supportive. Uh, and it takes a lot of collaboration and, and technology. And that's um, kind of where I, I hope I'm fitting in and helping to make sure that technology is, is there and, and able to help people um, do what the, people with disabilities do what they want to be able to do. Oh, and you know what? You are a great leader. We are lucky to have you here in Pittsburgh, Jonathan, but you are an impact for everyone in the world. As far as I'm concerned, you are a champion. And with that, Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Joyce. It's been a pleasure. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, Once again, you know, if you're listening to the show and you're thinking, oh, no, I know someone I want to hear this show. Apple, Spotify, get the podcast, Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. And before we end the show, we end every show with a quote. And today it is Socrates who said, to find yourself, think for yourself. And isn't that a great message to everyone living with disabilities? Don't let anyone lower the bar. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.